as you know, a few weeks ago, our work and witness team to Puerto Rico returned. And as you remember, we've been praying for them, supporting them. It's been a, a congregational project to send these folks to provide relief in ministry in Puerto Rico. And they're gonna come and tell us what happened. Are we good? All right. Uh, first of all, I wanna thank Donna for coordinating this whole thing and Pastor Dan's support and the whole church for everything that you've done, your prayers, your financial support. I, I know money came in from all over the place and I'm sure Donna will share an update on um, how much money was raised. Um, we're gonna hold off on the photos um, for just a minute and we're gonna start those right at the end of, uh, of when I'm speaking here and then we're gonna have uh, a few share and then we're gonna have some more photos again and then more people sharing. So that'll be the format here. It's gonna be really difficult to squeeze a week's worth of experiences down to 120 seconds, and I think I have about 60 left. So I'm gonna go way over that, and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so again, thank you for your support. It was, it was really a fantastic trip. Um, hopefully some of the fun stories will come out of this. Um, I'm gonna leave those uh, for some others if they wanna share those. Um, but heading in, you know, one of the first people that, people that we met was the pastor and his wife. Amazing people, totally gracious, um, opened up their house to us, um, offering us coffee day and night. It was really a remarkable experience. Um, one thing that really stood out to me while we were there is um, there, was a, there was a mother and a daughter who lost everything that they had during one of these storms. And the pastor of this church, by the way, there's about 51 Nazarene churches in Puerto Rico, 25, 24 on the eastern side, 26 on the western side, might have that backwards. I was blown away that we had 26 and 25 on the island, total of 50, 51. Um, this pastor in particular brought this mom and their daughter and her daughter and moved them into the house right next to him that he actually built. So he was a builder, and he built several houses around him. Um, unbelievable generosity that this man had. The story of this woman is that she's on disability. She only collects Social Security, and she has no other income uh, coming into her. She's a single mom, divorced. Her, uh, her son is estranged from her, and what a difficult situation, but the joy of the Lord was in her. And the way that she served us while we were there was remarkable. She was one of those that was running coffee to us constantly. Um, there was a little bit of a language barrier there at first, but she, her English started coming back and we were able to have some really good conversations with her. It was really a remarkable time. I had an opportunity to talk with her a little bit and learn a little bit about her life story. And that I just shared with you. But the, but the, really, the thing that really stood out to me is uh, there was a point where Melissa, her daughter, was sharing that she wanted to come to the United States. She wanted to come to the United States to learn nursing and become a nurse. Financially, I don't know if that's ever gonna be a reality for her, but the thing that really stood out to me is as she was sharing her mom's crocodile tears, no verbal response or anything, but her crocodile tears coming down her face spoke to me audibly and they said, this is my daughter who I love so much, and I grieve for her because there's not much opportunity here. I want her to go, but if she does, I'll have nothing. I'll have nothing. And as a dad of three kids, I can't imagine if all of my kids were to be gone, you know, and to lose everything. And yet seeing the joy of the Lord in her heart was remarkable to me, remarkable. So what a great experience we had. Um, we got a lot accomplished. 
Um, we had some evening devotions. Donna, thank you again. I really needed the first devotion that you shared. Um, for those that know me, I'm a man of few words. <clears throat> Talking a lot now, but um, a man of few words. And during that first day, I was incredibly frustrated. Um, <laughs> incredibly frustrated. I um, live about a mile and a half from Home Depot, and I can go and get any tool I want when I need it to do a project in my house. We arrived there. We didn't have a cordless drill. We, couldn't, we could barely find a screwdriver. Um, there were very few supplies. They hadn't yet arrived yet. And so I was like, what are we doing here? So <laughs> that evening, uh, Donna shared a devotional with us, and it was on patience. And, you know, the Lord will provide. And he did. He pulled through remarkably. Um, and there's a story. I hope somebody shares the story about the luggage. They got lost and, uh, and the miracle that came out of that. But uh, what a... What an amazing time that we had um, uh, through all of that. And uh, I realize I'm going way over here. Uh, <laughs> but I really wish you guys could have been there. It was remarkable. The friendships that were forged, the lives that were changed, the impact on my life personally um, was amazing. I, I was really in a dark place before I left. I, I had some issues that I was really working through. And um, on this trip, the Lord really spoke to me and showed me all that these people are dealing with and how the Lord is, is just so vibrant in their lives. And I, I really appreciated the opportunity to go on this trip and to see how they're dealing with difficult circumstances. And it really put my thoughts back on course, you know, to really focus on him again. I would encourage all of you, if you ever, ever have the opportunity to go on a trip like this, do it. Terry, this is for you. <laughs> Eddie, this is for you. And I'll let them tell that story, little cookies. <laughs> and when I got back, I looked in my bag and found 11 screws for the screws that we secured to the building uh, that we uh, put a tin roof on. And at first I was like, hmm, 11. And I was like, wow, there's 11 of us. I was like, that's not by chance. So. I have 11 screws that I'd like to hand out to each of you, and each time that you see this on your desk or on your dresser, remember the people that we met and the lives that were changed, and remember to pray for them, okay? You can pass those down. And one last thing. Like I said, the coffee was amazing. A dear friend of mine from Puerto Rico actually gave this to me, so Donna, <laughs> that's for you. Thank you. My emotions are, I, I will try to control as much as I can, but... Um, it's been eight years that me and Terry have visited our families in Puerto Rico. <laughs> it was great to see them, which I was surprised towards the middle of the week. My uncle showed up with my sister, my aunt, and my grandniece which I haven't seen them since they were very little. Um, my experiences there when we landed in the airplane at the airport, when we got into the airport, my experiences as when we walked in, you would think that you'd be a lot, you see a lot of, you know, a lot of hurts and sufferings and people like, you know, in distress and, you know, had no direction which way to go. It was like a normal day for them. It was like a normal day because there's a saying in Puerto Rico that 
is such a small island on the map. You can barely see it. But it's also very huge, strong, big at heart. Because when situations like this happen, tragics and stuff like that, it brings everybody together. And that's all I saw. So... My heart goes out to my family because they always tell us there's nothing to worry about. We all suffer in certain ways in our lives and experience many things in our lives. And if we're not, you know, if we're not gone permanently, that means that, you know, God has a plan. And I saw God's hand extended. He was there with everyone that we came across of. You know, they're so welcoming and so loving. And when it, when it comes to time for us to leave, it was very, very difficult because we we're all in tears. Because we had so much that we shared together. As far as food, I gained nine pounds. Because <laughs> Terry, I always tell Terry, every time we go out there, it's like, if, you, if you're on a diet, forget about it. You're in trouble. Because... When you're there, the word no has no meaning. There's no effect to, towards a family because they always want to feed you. So that's how Puerto Rico is. And I know most of us here that we were there that food, I tell you, there was plenty of it on top of everything that's, got, that, that's happened. But it, it was clear to me that things are going back to normal, slowly but surely. There is a still a struggle, but they don't, they don't let that affect them in their lives. But the love of God is there, and God is there. And it's amazing how some people that have, I have come across that were non-believers, they believe in God, and they know that we're here, this, we're, we're there to serve and help. And they were so grateful and so thoughtful. And just, like I said, they were willing to give whatever they had, which, is, which is, wasn't much. They were willing to share. And they were, like I said, they were so welcoming. And I love that so much about my island. And I will never forget the things that I have experienced there as growing up as a kid. I wasn't born there, but I was born here. But I grew up there until I was seven years old. And the experience that I had there is like survival is not a problem there. Because everything is there. Because God provides for all of us, right? In anywhere. Anywhere in the country. In this world. So... Thank you so much. Well, they asked me to keep it to two minutes, so I hope I can. I, I think I should be able to. I've been a Nazarene for 40-some years now, and I've had the opportunity to visit many Nazarene churches in this country, in the Midwest, California, Every place that I've gone, the fellowship of those churches have been very welcoming, and uh, I've always felt a part of their fellowship all the, all the time. I had little thoughts of how this was going to work when I go to Puerto Rico, because I didn't speak the language, and there's a lot of different culture. It's the same. You are accepted there. You're part of their fellowship. They love you. I felt that love deeply. One of the first things first people I met was Pastor Juan, and the first thing he told me was that uh, John, that's my name, John, is English for Juan, or the translation. So 
he and I were both Johns or both Wands, whatever you want, whichever side of the fence we were on. Um, another thing, um, you know, we, there was nine of us from the church and two from Rhode Island, and we lived together for a week, 924. We got to know each other very, very well. A lot of the people from this church I see every Sunday and sometimes during the week, but we lived together for, for that week and got to know each other very, very well. I, one of the, the, the two from Rhode Island was a young man, 17 years old. He was the youngest on the trip. I'm on the other end of the spage, or age spectrum on, when it comes to that, but I, the, the young people in, in our church have been very impressed with their, their um, oh, I don't know, they're just very seen to mature and always anxious to, to, uh, to be of help and, and very productive. Noah fits that category um, to the T. Um, it, one of the last days, uh, I think somebody mentioned, it was kind of emotional, and, and Noah had, he got up and he talked about his relationship with Pastor Juan, and I guess the two of them uh, hit it off pretty good during the trip. They went on a couple of um, uh, trips to um, Ponce, I think about an hour, an hour and a half away, a couple of times to get supplies, and, um, and he, he talked about his, his um, desire to be a pastor and how much Pastor Juan influenced him. And um, that really hit me in the, got me in the heart. Um, this last week I was at um, the district convention and there was a, um, a, a, a expo there on our trip. It had put together by Noah. He wasn't there, but he had pictures there and he had his testimony. Um, I was in one of the pictures. That was that was good. That's it's um, this trip um, has really, for myself, has has given me confidence about my relationship with with the church, with the people in the church, and with my God. And um, if you have the chance to do something like this, grab it. Um, this is a trip I, I, I haven't, uh, I've been on many trips, I haven't uh, prayed so much as this trip. The lost suitcase, the windy roads, 4,000 feet high. Uh, we, we went to Hajuja, Puerto Rico. We did not know where we would be staying or what we'd be doing or any of the details. And uh, just, you know, going on faith and what God would, would do with us. Um, he was certainly in control. And I tend to be restless unless we have a schedule and we're going as, you know, doing as much as we can within the time we have. And, um, and it was work, you know, I don't ordinarily do, you know. I sit at a desk all day. Uh, for example, I got to cut uh, some steel for some brackets for uh, putting the I-beams on a roof. And uh, I think, oh, my dad would be proud. He was an iron worker, so... I was uh, really happy about doing that, um, and the weather didn't always cooperate. We tried to paint in the rain, and you know, <laughs> it was the rainy season. But you know, more importantly, we got to do something for our brothers and sisters in uh, Puerto Rico. We got to be the light on the hill, or in this case, the light on the mountain. Um, 
I heard a speaker uh, in New England, NMI, and he was saying, reminding us about uh, how holiness spills out onto our hearts and our hands. You know, how your heart swells when you see someone you love. My heart swells like that when I think of the family of God here that supports us, sending us and praying for us and uh, just, you know, being there for us. We feel all that in the mission trip. Um, you could spend your money somewhere else. You could pray for somebody else, but you uh, spent your time for us, and we're grateful for that. Um, I learned a few few words of Spanish on the trip. Uh, when, <laughs> when, when we don't know something, we say, como se dice en español? Uh, thank you very much. Muchas gracias. Who's next? Uh, my, what, a, what an amazing trip. It was, it was incredible. Um, the, the, my, my main contribution for the, for the, the, the working was uh, installing drop ceiling. And I, I keep looking up. I mean, Dan, the, this, this angled drop ceiling, it's hard enough when gravity's helping you to get it flush. I, how did they do that? Uh, th thank goodness I didn't have to do that, let alone the height. Whew. Um, but what what touched me deeply was uh, was the the communities, just how when we when we got there we were we were immediately part of the family we were welcomed in to uh, to the pastor's home that uh, uh, and how how strong the the love and bonds were between uh, between people there uh, you, you could really you could see it and you could feel it it was uh, it was amazing. I, Highly recommend a trip. What a trip. I'll try to get through this. Um, as we're landing, like my husband said, my emotions were everywhere. That's my island. Um, I didn't know what to expect. From the, you know, from the flight, I could see a lot of blue. You know, normally you see nothing but green. Blue was tarps. But when we landed, you know, every, it's business as usual. You know, we had to find our driver. And, you know, I think Donna said he had a yellow shirt. I don't know, I saw a man talking on the phone. I said, are you looking for a church? <laughs> He goes, yeah, I said, that's us. Um, it was an incredible journey. I, I learned a lot from my island. Um, I learned a lot from the people here, Jamie, Dan, the dynamic duo. Those two were together the whole trip. I didn't know how the wives were gonna separate them when they got back. Um, I barely saw my husband the whole trip. Um, it was, it was incredible. The family that we met, um, Dan told a little bit about the family, but not many, I don't know if any, many of you know, but I work with domestic violence and when the woman asked me, what do I do? And I told her, she just looked at me. So that I did some counseling right after that. Um, 
I miss them, their family. I didn't get a chance to see my family, but God gave me many more families, and I'm so grateful for that. So one of the stories is the perfect tree. They all thought I was crazy. So I tell the group, we got to find that perfect tree. And they're looking at me like, why? And I say, you know, every tree has a story. You know, that, you know the tree we find had probably been here for many years, and it's been through many storms. Um, Dan sent me the perfect tree. I upgraded my phone, and I lost the perfect tree. So, but that's what we did. I got sick over there, and Noah, the 17-year-old, ugh, I miss him today. That's another family. The whole time in the van, he said, my husband, by the way, is in the front. Noah's with me. And he kept saying, are you okay? You, you tell me when you need me to pull over. I said, okay. So these are the families that God brought to me in my island, my beautiful island that was destroyed. But I went there with one amazing family. This church is my family, and I just love it dearly. I just say thank you. You know who you are. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And how blessed am I that MCN, God chose Puerto Rico, my beautiful island. I don't know what I would have done without this family. But I am so grateful. And like I said, I learned a lot. Anita, which is the pastor's wife, Donna said, well, we have to do our own cooking. And within me, you do not go into a Puerto Rican woman's kitchen. But I said to Donna, okay. So when it was my turn to cook, I went to the kitchen and the cooking was done. Anita had cooked. So I said to her, is there anything I can do? She goes, oh, no. Every day after that, Anita did the cook. I think maybe once, Donna and Marlene cooked. But they're amazing people. And if you ever get the opportunity, go. I still keep in touch with Melissa and her mother, and they do plan on coming to visit. And when they do, this is their first stop. And thank you. Oh. Kirsten is not, wasn't able to be here, but she did send her message. This is what she says. She, never, she says, I never thought I'd go on a missions trip but then God was putting it in my heart before we even started talking about Puerto Rico. That's how I knew I had to go. And I am so glad I did go because I learned so much and became, and became close with so many people. It was truly a blessing to be able to be part of the trip. You forgot the croquis. Oh my gosh, croquis. Yes. The cookies, I'm sorry, the cups that Dan gave us. Every morning, all I heard was koki, koki. And you have to hear the sound of a koki. It's loud. And I kept telling Eddie, I'm going to go nuts. I haven't slept for three days. The three days, Pastor Eddie went and got Pastor Juan. He comes back to me after three days and says, 
Don't worry about the cookie. I don't know what happened to the cookie. <laughs> you did not sleep because of the croakies. But then, when you finally got to sleep, the roosters started at about 3 o'clock in the morning. But the pastor had wonderful eggs for us to eat. Uh, I don't know how many chickens he had, but he had a lot. But the thing that impressed me during the trip was we got to worship with them twice. They have prayer meeting on Wednesday night and on Friday night. And we got to be in their service. They were singing in Spanish when we went into the church on Wednesday night. But it was a familiar hymn that we knew, so we started singing in English while they were singing in Spanish. But even when the things that they said in Spanish, you could feel the Spirit's leading and his presence there with them. Uh, they were absolutely wonderful. They did interpret for us part of the time, so we did know. And then there was Marlene who was sharing and forgot to wait for the interpreter. Uh, I just kept talking like usual. Uh, but the uh, thing that impressed me, not only there, but when we were at assembly this week, because part of our services were in other languages at assembly because of the district being multicultural, we have one big church. It's not just English church, just not in the United States, but it's the world church, and it's beautiful. Oh, I forgot. When you go, you young, younger families that have teenagers and even older young children, take them all and go because they'll get the education. And teachers, close your ears. Um, they'll get an education that they won't get a week in school. It is totally different, and their world will expand. We didn't tell you a lot of stories because we want to invite you to come on the next work and witness trip and get your own stories. That's the best way to talk about a trip is through you going. Um, we have an invitation to go back and it was a serious invitation. We would like to go back next year. We would like to take some of you with us because you will not just be blessed you will be, <laughs> but you will be a blessing in a way you can't even begin to imagine. Um, the last section of pictures was um, called Body Life because that's what the trip was really about. Um, during one of our devotionals that we had at night, uh, Lewis, um, who is so talented, <laughs> Lewis is amazing, and I'm sorry he's not here with us right now, but um, he was talking about how someone said, why didn't you just send the money instead of going? And um, we all knew the answer to that. Sure, they could have used the whole $16,000. But they would have then missed out on knowing us and us knowing them. The blessing is not in the money. The blessing is not even in the jobs that are done. The blessing are in the connections that are made between people. And uh, there is a picture, I don't know if it showed or not, it was supposed to be the last picture, where there are some of them standing in the doorway of the church while we are pulling out. And everyone, I think it's the next one, everyone 
is in tears. Oh, that's, we have a video to share with you afterwards, but um, not in tears because things didn't get done, but in tears because hearts connected in a way that um, you can't describe unless you experience it. Hearts that are connected like you are family two days after you've met. Um, we had some amazing opportunities to share among the 11 of us, but we also had some amazing opportunities to share with the people there. Um, and uh, some of their stories um, of how they have persevered through things that you and I would no longer even begin to stand for um, are amazing. They got power uh, at the pastor's house on Wednesday after we arrived on Sunday. The church had had power, but then kept losing water. So it was a situation of you have power or you have water, but very rarely did you have both at the same time. But that didn't stop anybody. Uh, several people alluded to that, that you just keep going and you do what you do what you do. Um, and... Uh, I guess I do have to tell one of the stories about the lost luggage. Um, not because it was lost, but because of it was found. Um, we all had lots of luggage with us, and uh, because we were carrying a lot of things, hopefully to leave, and stuff that we thought we might need. And one suitcase got left behind at the airport. It just got forgotten. We had a chance to go back and see if it was ours. Somebody came up to us as security um, guy from the airport came up to us as we were getting ready to leave in the van and said, did one of you leave a suitcase? And we all said, no, 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 we didn't leave a suitcase. And he said, are you sure? Did one of you leave a suitcase? And we all said, no, our suitcases are all here. Nobody ever bothered to get out and check or look to see if there was a suitcase that was missing. We just all assumed we had our suitcases. Well, it was our suitcase. <laughs> we got to um, the pastor's house and uh, we're unloading things and it was like, whoa, wait, there's a suitcase that's not here. Fortunately, the only stuff that was in the suitcase was stuff we didn't need. There were no clothes in it. There was some food. There were some medical supplies. There were towels, blankets, that kind of stuff, pillows. But nothing you really needed, so it was like big deal. Um, we tried calling the airport. Didn't have much success for the first day or the second day. Nobody would say that they'd found it. Nobody knew anything about it. We really were kind of struggling with it. And Pastor Juan and Jorge, our driver, were more upset about it than we were. It was like, you know, it's not that big a deal. And um, so they made it their mission, and, and Pastor Ramon, who was the district superintendent, they made it their mission to find that suitcase. And so Jorge had his wife contact the airport directly, speaking in Spanish, which we couldn't do, or I couldn't do. And uh, they located the suitcase. And Jorge decided he would make a trip back to San Juan to pick up the suitcase. And we kept saying, you don't need to do that. We can get it when we go back or whatever. But along the way, the ceiling tiles that they were putting up in the sanctuary, they were using the old ones that were moldy because they, the ones that were still not in one piece because they didn't have the money to buy new ones. 
And we said, well, we'll pay for the new ones. We were going to buy them for them. And uh, so we sent Pastor Juan to Ponce, to Home Depot, to get the ceiling tiles. They didn't have any. Home Depot didn't have any. So then we decided we would try to get them on Amazon and have them shipped to, can you believe it, shipped to Hajuja. They were going to do it. It was very expensive. But Jorge said, well, when I go to San Juan to get this suitcase, I know somebody. He always knew somebody. He really did know everybody on the <laughs> island, I think. I know somebody. I think I can get those ceiling tiles. So he went to San Juan to pick up the suitcase. And along the way, he went to this place where he knew someone. And he came up with four boxes of brand new acoustical ceiling tiles, exactly what we needed for a third of the price. Wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have gotten new ceiling tiles except for the lost luggage. One of the things that I said several times to several people is that God is orchestrating the things that are happening here. There were several times when we could have been stuck on a road with a van that didn't work. And every time that happened, we got stuck in the parking lot. It could have been awful. It wasn't. And I kept thinking and saying, God is in charge of all of these little details. And you see that when you look for it. So I'm inviting you to start planning for a trip next year. I want you to seriously think about coming because you are the ones who's going to learn far more than anybody that you choose to help. So be looking for opportunities. Thank you. So I guess we start planning for next year. Good idea. I would like to summarize briefly in about two minutes what I think I heard. I heard a story at District Assembly this week about the incident that happens right after Jesus delivers the Sermon of the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. So Jesus delivers this message about what it means to live the life of a Christian, and the very next thing he does is encounter a man with leprosy. You know leprosy meant don't touch, right? It was a social issue, it was a medical issue, it was all these things. And um, when people hear about what it means to be Christian and they get this idea of what holiness is, you can either choose to ask the question, what happens to me if I get involved? Or what happens to the person if I don't get involved, right? And so if you're ever wondering what it is that Christians do or what holiness means in the life of the Christian, Jesus settles the question by when the leper comes to him to be healed. Rather than trying to preserve his holiness, he reaches out and puts his hands on the leper, does what no one expects him to do, and heals the man. Because it's not that we have to protect ourselves from sin in that fashion, our holiness given to us by Christ contaminates the sin. 
It works the other way around. When we choose to get involved, that is the expression of Christian holiness. Anything less than that is just walking down the road, playing church. It's my encouragement that we will let these folks be our example, that we will get involved wherever we see the ravages of sin or disease or natural disaster or whatever it is, that we will express our holiness by getting our hands dirty. Would you stand with me and we'll pray. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified today. Heavenly Father, may we glorify you by the crosses we pick up at your direction. May we participate in the ministry of reconciliation according to the direction of your Holy Spirit. And may we live our lives for the world at your instruction. May all of your lives glorify him by the way you care for one another. Pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.